bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. I'm always happy to be part of Voice America's lineup because Voice America's goal is to provide live programming on the Internet worldwide that helps you, the listener, make informed decisions in your personal and professional life. Voice America believes in information's power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. I've been doing this work on radio and television for the past 25 years, was a pioneer in the early days, and will always believe in positive solutions and positive living. I've had the great opportunity to interview thousands of people who really are making a difference, and they believe, and I believe, that you can make your life work the way you want it to work. It takes some tools, some skills, some reinforcement, lots of support, but it can work, and my guest today is certainly going to talk about that as all my guests do, and I have a wonderful guest on today. My guest is Jim Tam. He is a workplace expert, and we're talking about collaboration. We're talking about relationships in the workplace and also personally. He's co-author of the book Radical Collaboration, Five Essential Skills to Overcome Defensiveness and Build Successful Relationships. A vice president of Business Consultants Network, Inc., he specializes in building collaborative workplace environments and counts Boeing, NAS, NASA, Seagrams, the city and county of San Francisco, and the U.S. Army among his clients. And called an ace relationship builder by Fast Company magazine, Jim Tam is a former judge and an adjunct law professor who has mediated some 2,000 employment disputes and impacted national labor policy through his legal decisions. Welcome, Jim Tam. Thank you, Patricia. It's good to be here. Wow, you know, my first question, and, and before I do that, let me give listeners the number, 866-472-5788, if you have questions for Jim Tam. My first question, which is not on any of these lists, is this. Being a former attorney and judge, particularly a judge, what was your greatest lesson there that has helped you become a radical collaborator or mediator? <laughs> well, I, boy... That's one, huh? Good question. Um, you know, I guess it's probably that uh, the heart of most uh, issues, most disputes, is not the substance of the dispute, but the relationships behind it. Mm-hmm. I would think that's mm. probably the biggest lesson that I learned. Mm. Uh, I, I mediated, you know, maybe between 1,500 and 2,000 employment disputes, and I almost never had to deal with legal issues. People were almost always before me because they had relationship issues. Somebody would get defensive. Uh, they'd start feeling vulnerable. You know, their their thinking would become rigid. Um, they'd start protecting themselves from the other person. And when that happens, our IQ drops about 20 points. And we just are not very good problem solvers at that point. So, you know, when I hear that, I also think of the personal relationship in terms of divorce. So I hear what I'm hearing you're saying, and I'm interpreting this, so correct me, is that if 
in, in divorce, we could prevent a lot of the litigation if people could get through their emotions and their emo- those, those issues. Oh, absolutely. That's one reason why uh, divorce mediation is becoming so popular, uh, because there are people that are skilled now at helping divorcing couples do it in a way that's not as destructive. And oftentimes during that process, uh, a lot of re- a reconciliation takes place. Uh, and so, you know, if they can get in touch with the emotions and, and uh, the feelings of vulnerability that they, that they have, oftentimes they can deal much more effectively with the substance of the dispute, mm-hmm. whatever that is, mm-hmm. whether it's money or child care mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever those things might be. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's just such a key, what you said. I really want you to repeat this because I'm, I'm burning this in my brain. You said of all the disputes you've done, it's not so much about the issue, it's about the relationship behind the issue. Absolutely. I would say in, in 90 to 95% of the cases that I have mediated, mm. it has under, lying underneath it. There's always some substantive issue on top. Yes. But as you dig deep enough and really get to the heart of the issue, it's a relationship issue. Someone uh, didn't trust someone else. Someone felt slighted by someone else. Someone was afraid of somebody else, mm. you know, whatever it might be. And if you can break through those kinds of issues and help people deal more effectively with the relationship stuff and not get as defensive, then the, the substantive stuff just becomes another problem to solve. Mm-hmm. And, it's, you know, and you can work at it as a problem rather than having to you know, have the other person killed. Mm. Fascinating. So then why did you write your book, Radical Collaboration, and why those words, and what do they mean? Well... I wrote it primarily because I was involved in a, a just a wonderful project back in the, the 1990s where the state of California, where I was a, an administrative law judge, uh, teamed up with the Hewlett Foundation. And we were trying to take really adversarial uh, employment environments and teach them uh, to have better relationships. And we weren't quite sure what we were going to have to do in order to do that, so we did a lot of research and we found that if we taught people certain skills, it would have a huge impact. And so we started working with organizations, and we found that whatever worked with organizations also worked with individuals and also worked in families and in uh, you know any kind of relationship that you want. And so the book comes out of about a 25-year you know, looking back on what was effective because it, it evolved over quite a while. And so we had all this valuable information of these, you know, the stunning successes that we had and wanted to get that out there. So that was why I wrote it. Why we called it Radical Collaboration was primarily because we were able to make radical differences in the very culture of these organizations. I mean, we, we literally turned around the most destructive, adversarial, dysfunctional, yeah. ineffective organizations that you could find and turn them into high-performing, very collaborative, mm. very authentic, and, and very effective organizations. What's so, the first thing that you did when you went in there to do that? Step number one. Well, step number one, um, we did a lot of research on what the differences was between the collaborative organizations and the adversarial organizations. So we had a sense of what we were dealing with. What we found was that the... Uh, more collaborative, effective organizations had better relationship skills and they had better negotiating skills. So we did some basic research. Then we designed a program. Then we went out looking for, the, for a lot of 
places to test it and actually invited people in to do some of the, the training. Mm. So that was what you're saying is you have to understand the reasons behind all of this. In other words, what the issues are. That's the research you did. Yeah, well, we weren't sure really what uh, – we knew that the state wanted to make a difference because the state was spending a huge amount of money uh, on conflict in, in organizations. You know, every time we'd have to send out a judge, it costs a lot of money. Every time we'd have a mediation or use a – you know, or have an unfair labor practice mm-hmm. or something like that, it would cost the state a huge amount of money. And so for the state, it was a, a money deal. You know, we wanted to figure out how to save money in, by reducing the cost of conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had to figure out what those differences were because and, and, we didn't quite know what the differences <clears throat> were in the beginning, so that's why we did the research. So when you, we have a couple minutes to break. Um, when you talk about five essential skills for establishing long-term relationships, but I think before we get into that, one of the things you talk about is the red zone. What is the red zone? The red zone is a, a mindset that is very adversarial and combative and defensive uh, where people feel fearful and untrusting, and typically because of that they're not very trustworthy themselves. And it's just a very painful place to be. And you can have an organization that is a very red zone organization. You can have an individual that lives their life in the red zone. You know, it's they're not very authentic. They're just uh, very hostile, and uh, uh, it has a tremendous impact on how effective mm-hmm. they are at building other relationships. And what's so, the no, green zone? The opposite. The green zone is a mirror image of that. Yeah, people are much more authentic. They're collaborative. They're looking for mutual gains in relationships. They're much more open and honest. Uh, much more creative too, because in the red zone, people are afraid to take risks. Because if something goes wrong, somebody's going to get blamed or fired. In the green zone, if you take a risk and things go wrong, you can, you know, this conversation is more, well, what can we learn from this? You know, not who has to be fired. So it's a much more pleasurable place to work. And, and just live. You live your life, whether it's at work or at home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, everybody from time to time will get defensive. It is a human condition. It happens to all of us. And the key is how well we deal with it when it happens. And how you are able to turn that around and see through it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, there's everybody has defenses because we all needed them uh, when we were growing up. We, we learned different ways to cope at a time in our lives when we didn't have as much choice or power in our lives. Well, it goes back to the fight-or-flight response. That's you know, a, with yep. the caveman. I mean, yep. you either you either fought or you fled. Yeah. And, and see, part of the problem, though, is that now we're... So many of us are still operating in a world that's very different than that, mm-hmm. uh, and we we have this built into our system, and so we behave in ways that we're we're not really sure why we're doing it because mm-hmm. it's all unconscious material. Right. Excellent. All right. My guest is Jim Tam, and he is the co-author of the book Radical Collaboration: Five Essential Skills to Overcome Defensiveness and Build Successful Relationships. Jim Tam is a workplace expert and co-author of this book, Radical Collaboration. He's vice president of Business Consultants Network, Inc., and specializes in building collaborative workplace environments. He's a former judge and an adjunct law professor and has negotiated and mediated some 2,000 employment disputes. So, folks, when we come back, we're going to talk about what are the five essential skills for establishing long-term successful relationships. You're listening to Positive Living. If you would like to call in, um, you can always call us. 
And I'm just grabbing the number, which I had a second ago. Um, if you'd like to call us, you can call us at 866-472-5788. And we are here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, and all of these shows are archived on the Voice America site online. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo, our guest is Jamie Bamber. You'll know him from Battlestar Galactica. He plays Leah Dama. We talk about Battlestar Galactica and get a look inside of Jamie's life. Of course, we'll cover all the sci-fi news for the week as usual. That's Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo. Did you know the young adult generation, otherwise known as the Echo Boomers, born between the late 1970s and 1995, number 78 million in our population? They are responsible and drink less, smoke less, do fewer drugs, and commit less crime than previous generations. Advocating America's Young Adult with hosts Chloe White and Charlie Fairchild aggressively addresses the current and cutting-edge issues affecting the young adult. It is a world of inherent unfairness for this age group, and the situation continues to deteriorate. The time for meaningful change has arrived. And our Advocating America's Young Adult is here to make an impact. Tune into Advocating America's Young Adult with host Chloe White and Charlie Fairchild. West Coast Business Review and host Amy Campbell presents Show Me the Business. Each week, you'll hear exciting guests give you vital information on advancing your business and career. Learn how others have built their empires, from best-selling authors to renowned entertainers. Listen every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific time on VoiceAmericaRadio.com. Visit our website at www.westcoastbusinessreview.com. West Coast Business Review's Show Me the Business, connecting you to the business world. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You were listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And as I always say, um, Positive Living is here because this program brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live successful lives, lives that are empowered and happy, and without too much conflict. And that's what my author of today is about and the book. My guest is Jim Tam, and he is co-author of the book, Radical Collaboration, which is fascinating. The subtitle is Five Essential Skills to Overcome Defensiveness and Build Successful Relationships, and you can go to RadicalCollaboration.com online to learn more about the book and about his work. Jim Tam is a workplace expert and co-author of Radical Collaboration. He is called an ace relationship builder by Fast Company Magazine. He's a former judge and adjunct law professor who's mediated some 2,000 employment disputes and impacted national labor policy through his legal decisions. Welcome back, Ron. 
Welcome back, Jim. What is <laughs> you know what? I was calling you your, your co-author. Your co-author we is mine. <laughs> we were just talking about that, so okay, I know. Okay. I knew I, knew. I knew I got that name from somewhere. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about the five essential skills for establishing long-term successful relationships. Sure. Um, the first one is, is we call it collaborative intention, and that means that you're able to look for mutual success in a relationship when it gets under stress, when you hit a speed bump in the relationship, or somebody screws up and makes a mistake, or does something that's just kind of puzzling, and you're not quite sure what it is. You know, you you would somebody in the red zone that we were talking about just a minute ago might jump to conclusions that they're under attack. Somebody in the green zone might wonder, wow, I wonder what that's about. You know, that's not the kind of relationship that they would do that, so I'll have to look into it. So if the skill is being able to stay in that green zone mindset mm-hmm. when something happens. Um, number two is we call it truthfulness. And what that means is having the ability to create an environment where people feel safe enough to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the amount of trust in any relationship is a direct relationship to how much truth is being told. And so you have to be able to create this atmosphere where people can tell the truth. Now, that requires both being able to be more truthful yourself in an accountable way. This is not just blathering uh, indiscriminate opinions. You know, it's mostly being self-disclosing about what's going on inside of you. But then you also have to be a much more effective listener. Okay, but how how do you deal with that when the truth that you want to impart has to do with the way the person is giving you information that may be painful to the other person to hear. How do you deal with that? Well, one of the more effective things that you can do is report about the impact on you. For mm-hmm. example, and I'll, I'll use an example of, say, a couple at home, not a, not a business example, but uh, what we're talking about, say, say the, the husband is working late, never calls home, and the wife feels miserable about it. You know, one thing she can do is attack the husband and say, you know, you're such a jerk when you don't call home. It's it's a very different conversation if she approaches it and say, you know, when you don't call home when you're working late, I don't feel very significant in the marriage and I feel irrelevant to you. Mm -hmm. So the first time, the the way she does it the first way, the spouse is going to feel under attack. The second way, the spouse can't dispute that because Mm -hmm. the wife is talking about what's happening inside of her, you know. So it's not quite as threatening, and it's just more imparting information where uh, he will probably have less uh, immediate knee-jerk reaction to move into this red zone. It's easier to stay in the green zone. Mm. So that's, right. that, those are some of the, the things of that skill, and we can come back to some of the other listening stuff if that's helpful okay. later on. Uh, skill number three is being accountable for the choices that you make. Now, I've had so many people come before me over the years and say, Your Honor, uh, you know, they, they made me do it. They just didn't give me a choice. They, le- they left me no choice. And that's such nonsense for most of us. I hear this in, in just about every strike that I've mediated. And I've mediated more school labor strikes than anybody in the country. And I hear it from both sides where they'll tell me, you know, Your Honor, they made us do it. They pushed us into a corner. And the truth of the matter is that we are making choices all the time, both mm-hmm. through action and non-action. Mm-hmm. And most of us are unaware of all the choices that are available to us or that we make. So if we can help people be, um, first of all, more conscious of all the choices that they have all the time, 
and then be responsible and accountable for both the intended and the unintended consequences of those choices. Uh, that increases their authenticity dramatically. And a lot of people think that, that you know, if things don't turn out the way they intended, they should get a free ride on the consequences, and that, that's, that doesn't work. You know, we don't walk around with one of these get-out-of-jail cards in the back of our uh, hip pocket, you know, like in the Monopoly game. Uh, a lot of people think, well, gee, you know, I didn't mean for that to happen, therefore you shouldn't be mad at me because I didn't mean it. But uh, other people judge us by our behavior. We judge, we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions, and other, but other people judge us by our behavior. So mm-hmm. it's important that you be conscious about the choices. Okay. Number Skill number four is being uh, self-aware because... If you don't have some self-awareness about what your feelings, what your fears, what your motivations and behaviors are, uh, you're just going to be like a cork bobbing along on a wave. You know, you, you won't have any real control over your life. So we focus people on increasing their self-awareness both on how they relate to other people in relationships, what their behavioral preferences are in relationships, and then also the key is uh, increasing their self-awareness about defensiveness because that is such a, uh, an important thing. And, I, and I'd like to come back to that later mm-hmm. on. But, so it's those two areas that we uh, focus on uh, increasing self-awareness. And then the fifth skill is being able to negotiate your way through conflict because any relationship, if it has any aliveness to it, is going to have some conflict. You know, you, even if the best relationship in the world, if it's alive, you're going to have some conflict. If you don't have any conflict in a relationship, you're probably, you know, in denial or overly medicated or numb to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that you be able to deal with that conflict in a way that builds and supports the relationship and nurtures it rather than undermines it. Mm-hmm. And if you have those five skills, it's going to make a dramatic uh, improvement in your ability to build significant relationships. Well, one of the things that you said in skill number four, which I think is is not as easy as it sounds, and that's being self-aware. Because there, I don't know how many people are that self-aware where you really understand or are willing to admit your deep inner motivations and what, what your hot buttons are. Because many times when these issues come, it hits at those core level issues in you. And sometimes people aren't aware of that. Yeah, and, and when it's hitting at those core issues, most of the time it's unconscious stuff. Mm-hmm. Because if it's conscious stuff, if it's in our awareness, most of us will you know, behave a little differently. We'll take some action. We might feel uncomfortable with it, but all right, we'll, we'll push through it. You know? But where we get into trouble is where we're dealing with the unconscious material. And that's, that's where defensiveness is such an issue for most people because... By definition, defensiveness is unconscious behavior, and it undermines our ability to be in strong relationships and work well with others and play well with others. Mm-hmm. What is usually your first piece of advice? And I don't know if you can be general about this, but do you find that you're often usually saying the same thing over and over when you are in, in a corporate setting or even in a personal setting and people are having conflict? Is there usually something you say to them immediately that's similar? Well... I guess uh, probably the, the most important thing that I would try to accomplish is to try to get people back into the green zone. Right. What I say to them is going to depend a lot on the individual circumstances. Uh, but getting them to um, uh, 
just feel less defensive, getting them to listen better, and getting them to try to understand the issues from the other side's point of view. Those are all very key issues. But, but basically, the first thing that I'm trying to do is get them in back into the green zone, mm-hmm. feeling okay. you know, so they're so they're not reacting defensively. Right. I want to share a story of. Um, just I want to give you an example because this is a little more complex. We have about three minutes, so okay. This is an example of um, an issue where there's a third party, so there's an agent involved. And I'm going to, uh, I'm camouflaging this a little bit, but this would be um, a broker kind of situation and a, a real estate kind of thing where there is a, um, there's a situation um, in with a tenant and the tenant is having to go through the broker to get to the owner and the tenant is expressing this concern. There have been some steps, but they're not adequate. So then what the tenant does is, say to the broker, I want to have a conference call with the owner and you, so the owner can understand the, the tone of this. Yeah. And the broker says, well, we'll talk about it. So then the broker talks to the owner, now we're in third party, and the owner says, I'm not dealing that way, I'm only going through the broker. Yeah. So the tenant decides to write a very compelling letter and email it to the owner, to the broker as well, mm-hmm. not in a defensive way, but explaining the situation, that yeah. it really needs more attention, Explaining that uh, the person really enjoys where they are, uh, that you, they hope that this can be solved to, with minimal cost to the owner as well as minimal health concerns to the tenant. And the tenant gets back a one-liner from the owner, one-liner, immediately within like 30 minutes, saying, and this was a long letter, yeah. saying to the tenant, thank you very much for your letter. Please place all future correspondence routed through the agent, the leasing agent. Period. Yeah. Thank you. A very strong message saying, I do not want to deal with you. You're dealing with the wrong person. Don't bring this to me. I'm not interested. Yeah. So, but did, did that person read that information? Oh, my guess, having been both a tenant and a landlord <laughs> and having worked with agents before and, and you know, been in these kinds of disputes, right. my guess is uh, they looked at it. It's pure speculation, but my guess is they looked at it and realized, hey, I don't want to deal with this. This is why I pay an agent. You know, ship it back. And so they probably didn't. If they did, they, they might have gotten more involved. So... You know, there are a number of things that the that the individual can do at that point. Um, one is they should keep uh, being clear that they're in, what their intentions are, that their mm-hmm. intentions are to try to stay in that location, they mm-hmm. like that location, mm-hmm. that they want to keep a good relationship, and that they want the problem fixed, mm-hmm. uh, that they can understand it from the landlord's point of view, mm-hmm. they can understand it from the agent's point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also they want to get the matter fixed, and so there are some things that they can do on their own uh, to do that. And uh, you know whether it's complaining. If there's so a- then the, the the correspondence then must go from the tenant to the agent. Well, yeah, because it's it's uh, if you if they keep going to the landlord, all it's like teaching a pig to sing. Mm-hmm. You know, all you're going to do is frustrate the landlord. That's right. and, and or frustrate yourself and right. annoy the landlord. At what point do you get some legal counsel or do you get an attorney involved in this? Well, it depends on how big the issue is. Uh, I would say in a, you know, in a landlord-tenant dispute, there are oftentimes there are 
mediation boards or neighborhood boards mm-hmm. that, that would be a, a better first step mm-hmm. than hiring a lawyer to do that. I, I generally say anything you can work out at a, at right. a lower level without having to spend legal fees, you're much better off. And the reason I brought up that example, and we're going to close now, but I want you to address this back. The reason I brought this up is this is a situation where you can't get directly to the party you want to get to. Right. And that's what I'd like to talk about, how you deal with that in the workplace when we come back. Okay. My guest is Jim Tam. He is co-author of the book Radical Collaboration, Five Essential Skills to Overcome Defensiveness and Build Successful Relationships. If you're listening to Positive Living, I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. From our home to your speakers, VoiceAmerica.com. Have you put down the morning paper in disgust because they weren't reporting what you wanted to read? Have you wondered why there aren't more women's voices in the news? Well, so have I, and we're about to change that. This is former Minnesota State Senator Ember Reichgott Young. I hope you'll join me for a new radio show every Thursday all about women on the move. We'll look at what's missing in the news, the issues often ignored in mainstream media, like how does Social Security reform really affect women? Why is the Department of Labor proposing to stop collecting workforce data on women? What role will women play in Iraq's new government? We'll create that debate right here. The Ember Reichgott Young Show will have prominent women you know and inspiring women you don't know. We'll share stories of women's leadership, courage, and vision. We just need you to be part of the conversation. So join us for the Ember Reichgott Young Show every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time. It's all about you, women on the move, on voiceamerica.com. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dogs. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com Expand love and light in the universe. Tune into Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True with Iris Jackson every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Each week, Iris and her guests empower, encourage, affirm, acknowledge, and remind us of who we really are, providing tools and processes to fulfill our destiny passionately, victoriously, and joyously. Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True is under the guidance and direction of our beloved I Am Presence, the seven mighty Elohim, the ascended masters, and the legions of light, and is given with fervent and heartfelt wishes that all of your dreams come true and are a thousand times more wonderful than you ever dreamed possible. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. A wonderful show on for you today. My guest is Jim Tam, co-author of Radical Collaboration, 
and that is five essential skills to overcome defensiveness and build successful relationships. Jim Tam is a workplace expert and co-author of Radical Collaboration, a vice president of Business Consultants Networks, Inc. He specializes in building collaborative workplace environments. He is an ace relationship builder coined by SAS Magazine, SAS Company Magazine. Jim Tam is a former judge and adjunct law professor, and he has mediated some 2,000 employment disputes and impacted national labor policy through his legal decisions. Welcome back, Jim. We were talking before the break about, I gave you an example of an issue where you have to go to a third party, and I did a tenant-landlord situation. But let's move into how this has impacted, I'm sure you've seen many of this, in your work um, in the corporate world where, you know, there's an issue from a worker and they can't get to the direct person. They have to go through a second person who may not be the person that's helping them. How do you deal with this in the workplace? Well, really what you're talking about is how do you gain leverage to have an impact over somebody that you can't talk to or that won't talk to you. And uh, there's, uh, there's a couple different things that I would suggest you pay attention to or that the person in that situation pay attention to. One is see if there's any way that you can get any third-party assistance here, uh, You know, whether that's through um, an old supervisor that you may have worked with uh, that uh, could... You know, go talk to the other person. Uh, you've got to be careful about going around. You know, if you're talking about uh, you're dealing with your boss, you, you, may, you need to be a little careful about trying to go around your boss's back. But uh, sometimes there are people, naturally uh, skillful people, who are good at being mediators in situations like that. You know, they just tend to help people work things out. Go to them, ask for some help. Uh, go to them, check out to make sure that you that your visions of reality are are sound also, that your logic is sound um, and that you're not just, uh, you know, blowing smoke. Uh, so check that out. See if you can bring somebody else in or find somebody else within the organization that can champion what your issue is and you can sit back and try and get some help that way. Another thing that you can do is pay real close attention, put some planning into figuring out what you can do if they won't deal with you. In other words, mm-hmm. in a workplace situation, one thing you can always do is quit. Go look for another job. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you can go back to school, get some more education uh, to mm-hmm. try and get qualified for a promotion. Uh, you can start updating, updating your resume. Maybe you could file a grievance. Maybe you could file a lawsuit for you know, whatever it might be, sex discrimination, age discrimination. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, che- all check check out those kinds of things. So, so let me just go back. In yeah. terms of your five steps, to building, overcoming defensive relationships. We're now in a position where you may not be able to do that. Yeah, right? This is what we're talking about, is when you can't do that directly with the person. What you're talking about now is negotiating. How are you going to negotiate a situation? Now, you, it's still important you keep all the other skills in mind because you don't want to move into the red zone yourself. You want to be negotiating from the green zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, being in the green zone does not mean that you just have to be, I'm not just asking people to be nicer to each other. You know, compromise quicker, give up easier. You should be tenacious about getting your interest met. But the key is that there's usually, for every interest, there's usually lots of different ways to get your interest met. So be be firm about getting your interest met, but be flexible about how you get it met. So in the workplace situation, there may be a lot of different ways that you can accomplish the same thing. And so that's where you need to be creative. Figure out what your underlying interest is. Uh, is it to 
to get a promotion, or is it really just to have a different supervisor? You know, is it to increase your skills, or is it to earn more money? And try to figure out what your underlying interests are, and then once you figure out what the real underlying issues are and what your interests are, then you've got to figure out what the interests are of the other people that you're dealing with, whether it's your boss or the, your boss's boss or whatever else it is, and then try to come up with a solution that meets as many of both of those interests as possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want, to give, I want to go back to the example I used before the break. Yeah. The reason that the tenant in that, in that instance wrote the email is that the tenant wanted the voice to be heard by that person. Yeah. That was very important. And so that was, even though that, you know, it may have been shut out, I think part of the issue here is that your voice doesn't get heard. That's, you know, that's one of the, the key things that in the disputes when I was talking about so many of them are relationship-based. Mm-hmm. It's because somebody doesn't feel heard. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you feel heard and somebody disagrees with you, it's not nearly as painful as if they just blow you off. Right. And, right. and if, you just, if you feel you're not heard, boy, it just, most people have a very strong negative reaction about that, and it right. pushes you right into the red zone. If you feel you've heard, even if there's a disagreement there, it makes it much easier to uh, solve the problem, and if you can't solve the problem, much right. easier to accept the fact that. And the, and the worst part is, is if you're dealing with that that mediator or that that representative who you're not sure is hearing you. Yeah. That's when it gets tricky. Yeah. So that's when you you need to start, you know, uh, doing leverage, upping the ante, making it more uh, important for them to listen to you. Even though, you know, some of those, and you want to say, but what you're saying is what's hard there is staying in the green zone. That's right. So you always want to keep clear about your intentions. You always want to stay in the green zone. You don't want to get defensive, even though you're, you're, you may become more aggressive. There's a difference between being uh, aggressive and assertive uh, compared to being adversarial. You know, mm-hmm. you can still be forceful about getting your interests met uh, and not turn it into a, uh, a personal battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you just need to, you need to put more energy into showing the other person why it's in their interest to deal with you, mm-hmm. yeah. whether that's through the agent or the boss at work. Yeah, or, or saying, listen, I could take this on the next level, but I really don't want to. Exactly. Or exactly. I could write to such and such, yeah. but I, I, that's not my intention. My right. intention is just to fix the Problem. Right, and, and let me tell you what my next level is. You know, I'm going to file an OSHA claim, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, you know, move out or look for a new place or whatever it might be, or I'm going to, you know, make the repairs myself and withhold my rent, and yes, you may end up taking me to court, and we'll have to deal with it there, you know. And that's yeah. not what I want to do. I want to have a good relationship. I want to stay in this uh, location. All You know, so while you're being clear about what your interests are, you're also being clear about what your relationship interests are. That you mm. want to have a good relationship. Yeah, and that's where you have to be strong, Jim, I think, because yeah. I think sometimes it's hard for us. We all have that sensitive part. We all want to be liked and accepted. And when you stand up like that, you're being very strong. Strong and, yeah, <laughs> strong and at the same time, it's easy to feel vulnerable when you do that if you haven't had a lot of practice or uh, if you're not able to deal with the person directly. Because you don't know what's going on on the other side, you know. Interesting, interesting. So what you're saying is that you make your na- your your claims known. You tell people what you're going to do, and that that's not what you want to do. Yeah. 
if it gets to that, right. Okay. All right, we have a, a couple more minutes before break. What else would you like us to know about co- radical collaboration in the workplace in the next two minutes? Oh, the next two minutes. Um, we have so many things here, but... I, yeah, I know, because at one point I want to get more into the defensiveness stuff. I, let me just talk about some of the impact of, of adding these skills mm-hmm. uh, in the workplace. Uh, I told you this was from a project sponsored by the Hewlett Foundation in the state of California, and we worked, uh, we had a number of research studies. One of them included over a, a hundred workplaces. And we cut the, the uh, amount of conflict in those workplaces uh, down by 60, an average of almost 70%. Now that has a huge impact on the bottom line if people can work more effectively that way. In another study that was done uh, over a six year period, this was a follow up study, from participants from nine different countries. A researcher at a university in Mexico found that the people focusing on these five skills were 50% more effective at reducing their defensiveness, and they got their interests met 45% more often. Now imagine what the impact would have on most people's lives if they got their interests met 45% more often. So just a little bit of effort learning you know, a few fairly simple skills can have a huge impact on the quality of life for people, both at work and at home. What we'll do after the break is name those five skills again and then have you talk about the defensiveness piece around Great. them. All right. My guest is Jim Tam. He is author of the wonderful book, Radical Collaboration, Five Essential Skills to Overcome Defensiveness and Build Successful Relationships. Jim Tam is a workplace expert and co-author of Radical Collaboration. A vice president of Business Consultants Network, Inc., he specializes in building collaborative workplace environments. He's called an ace relationship builder by Fast Company Magazine. Jim Tan is a former judge and adjunct law professor who's mediated some 2,000 employment disputes. When we come back, you can still call us. There's time, 866-472-5788. Positive Living is on Voice America on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific. And we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. Stay tuned, folks. I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. We'll be right for an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE-TODAY. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. 
Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop, voiceamerica.com. Everyone, we are back. You are listening to Voice America, and I'm Patricia Raskin. My guest today is Jim Tam, co-author of Radical Collaboration, Five Essential Skills to Overcome Defensiveness and Build Successful Relationships. Jim Tam is a workplace expert, co-author of Radical Collaboration. He's a former judge and adjunct law professor who's mediated some 2,000 employment disputes. Welcome back, Jim. Thanks, Patricia. Okay, let's talk about these five essential skills again and how you would like to weave them through for people to really get them to overcome that defensiveness. Great. Okay, the first is we call it collaborative intention. It's being able to stay focused on mutual gains in their relationships when they have a problem in the relationships rather than doing a knee-jerk reaction. Number two is creating an atmosphere of truthfulness where it's safe enough for other people to tell you the truth share their their feelings and their opinions with you, and where you are more self-disclosing and a better listener. Mm -hmm. Number three is being more accountable for your own choices, being aware of the amount of choice that you have in life and being accountable for both the intended and the unintended consequences. Number four is being self-aware, increasing your self-awareness about how you behave in relationships, particularly about your defensiveness, which I want to come back to. And then number five is being able to negotiate your way through conflict in a way that nurtures the relationship and builds it rather than undermines it. So those are the five skills. Okay. Now, the defensiveness piece is such a pivotal, a pivotal issue in building relationships because when people get defensive in relationships, it's like a poison pill, whether that's in professional or personal relationships. Uh, it's just such a key, so we spend a huge amount of time dealing with that. And we start by helping people realize just what defensiveness is. See, most people think that they're defending, when they get defensive, that they're defending themselves from other people. But in fact, what they're doing is they're defending themselves against feeling something inside of them that they really don't want to feel. And those, though, they usually have to do with our own fears about our significance or our competence or likability. So let me give you an example. If somebody is in a group of people and they don't feel very significant, and that's a painful way to feel, not very significant or not very competent, whatever it might be, or not likable. And so they might start behaving in a way that lets them not feel that. Maybe they would become very critical of other people and start judging other people or engaging in gossip. Or maybe they would withdraw from uh, uh, relationships altogether or just shut down emotionally and go numb. Or maybe they get too nice and never stand up for themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, there's a whole wide range of behaviors. In fact, in the, 
in the Radical Collaboration book, we have a list of about 50 different signs of defensiveness. Let me just read a, a couple of them off here, like a loss of humor or a sudden drop in IQ or wanting the last word, flooding with information to prove a point, playing poor me or being too nice, or all or nothing thinking. Now, these are all very different behaviors, mm -hmm. but they all stem from the same concerns about our own self-worth. And so since so much of this is unconscious, we're usually not aware of the underlying fears, so we have people work backwards. It is easier to pay more attention to our defensive behaviors, and that can act as an early warning system for us. So we have people create this little early warning system that is their top three signs of defensiveness. So, for example, if one of mine is flooding with information or wanting to be right, and I'm in a conversation with somebody else, and I notice over the past five minutes that I've just been pounding on them to admit that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, that should act as a warning system to me. The bells and whistles should go off, you know, saying, Jim, you know, you're starting to get defensive. Start looking for what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And that can tell me that there's some underlying fear there. And it can tell me that I need to start taking some very specific actions that can help me be more effective rather than just spin out of control in this, into this defensive position. So what it is that people can do then is first just admit to themselves that they're getting defensive. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but it's a huge first yeah, step. Yeah, it is, because it's the awareness. Yeah, if, they, if they're not aware that they're getting defensive, then it all stays in their unconscious. So admit to yourself that you're getting defensive. Number two is try to slow down your physiology because there's a, a strong physiological, biological aspect to defensiveness. Usually we get a shot of adrenaline, so there's a high charge of energy in the body. Uh, usually our breathing becomes a little more rapid, but it's shallower, so we don't get as much oxygen. So anything that you can do to slow down your physiology, you know, take a break, go, uh, take a walk around the building, go into the restroom and splash some cool water in your face. Or if you're in the middle of a, a conversation with someone and it doesn't seem appropriate to do anything else, just take a deep breath. And, you know, no one has to know that you're trying to deal with your defensiveness, but just taking one or two deep breaths will have an impact and help you get more centered, get more oxygen into your body. Number three would, would be to pay particular attention to any negative self-talk that you have going on in your head. And that's the little dialogue that you have with yourself while you're watching the motion picture of life out here. You know, maybe if you're in the middle of a conflict, the negative self-talk might be something like, wow, I'm going to get crushed here. You know, they really don't like me. They're going to really hurt me. You know, this is, this is horrible. I can't survive this. Mm -hmm. And if you can turn that into something more positive, like, well, yeah, this is difficult, but, you know, I've done this before. I, it's only five more minutes. I can get through this. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that will stop you spinning out of control. And then finally, uh, if you know what your behavior is, what your signs of defensiveness look like, you can pre-plan uh, what some action steps would be to moderate that behavior. So, for example, if one of my, my defensive behaviors is to flood people with information, my action step that I'd have automatically thought of ahead of time is maybe just to be quiet for two minutes. Mm -hmm. Something very simple, very short. If my sign of defensiveness is high charge of energy in my body, maybe I take three deep breaths. 
if my sign of defensiveness is to withdraw into silence, then maybe I'm, I promise myself I'm going to stay there in the conversation and ask two questions or maybe make a statement like, wow, I'm feeling like I want to get out of here now. You know, and I tell the other person what's going on. And all of these are ways that you can moderate the, uh, the damage that you're doing by getting defensive. So just having a little, two little simple things there, you know, recognizing what your behaviors are, use that as an early warning system, and then two, come up with an action step and remember what that is ahead of time. So as soon as you see the signs, you can implement your action step, and that will make a big difference. Well, it sounds like the defensiveness is really the key. I mean, that's that's almost the most difficult piece to get through. If I was going to, if I could impart one piece of wisdom to everybody in all of the, the training and all the lecturing and speeches I give around the world, that one thing would be master your own defensiveness better than anything else, and that will have the biggest impact whether you're in a leadership position, whether you're in a relationship, whether it's professional or personal whether you're trying to build better work relationships, if the single most important thing you can do is to, st- is to learn to stay non-defensive, and, and that's the biggie. Mm. Excellent. I was going to ask you for closing thoughts, but it sounds like those are them. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, just watch your defensiveness. And if people want to know more, they can go to RadicalCollaboration.com. Yeah, we have some articles there about reducing your defensiveness. Or we all, people can also sign up for free monthly collaborative tips that we send out, just little gentle reminders, you know, about, hey, pay attention to this, try this, see if this works. Okay. Uh, so people can sign up for that. And uh, then there's a lot of information about uh, other, you know, the research and things like that if they have an interest in it. Thank you so much, Jim, for being on the program. Patricia, it's been my pleasure. I hope we can do it some other time. Yes, absolutely. Stay on the line for a minute, please. Okay. My guest has been Jim Tam, author, co-author of Radical Collaboration, Five Essential Skills to Overcome Defensiveness and Build Successful Relationships. Log on to RadicalCollaboration.com. Next week, my guest is Kathy Watson, six-time power stair climber and finisher of Marathon of Stair Climbs. She was selected Miss Illinois Senior America 2000. She's the developer of the Ageless for Life concept, an anti-aging seminar dedicated to teaching proven methods and techniques to all who want to look and feel younger and better than they ever thought possible. Again, folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. This program is on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific. Log on to raskinresources.com. My book is Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living in Revision. Please uh, log on there and also voiceamerica.com. Look up host, my name, and you can listen to all the archive shows to date. Until next time, it's an honor and pleasure to be with you each week and bring you such inspiration and practical solutions and positive strategies for positive living. Until then, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great day. You've been listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.